Southern University, Alabama State, Damn You, Clark Atlanta. I shake your money maker, don't let that money maker. I shake that money maker, don't let that money maker. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen, and we actually have a pretty packed show today. What we're going to do is we're going to talk, we're going to have some NBA headlines. We're going to talk about the NBA awards and break down each one and who I feel should win. We're going to talk about a fluke or not, like some things that we're seeing in the NBA and in sports and if they're here to stay or if they're just for the moment. We're going to talk about some NFL but before we do that, let's start with college football. And let's start with the problem with college football. We all know about the money. We all know about compensating kids or compensating the kids and the athletes. And that should happen. We all know about, you know, the roughness of the sport. But here's the problem with college football. As we know, what's going on with the world, the coronavirus, everything going on, it's unsure. And... The reason why other leagues like the NBA, the WNBA, NHL, the reason why they're able to flourish in this time is because they're small. They can have bubbles. And as we've seen, and even the UFC, as we've seen, and we talked about this last week, the bubbles have succeeded because people aren't coming back. uh, Negative tests are coming back and we're we're excited and, and people are watching. The reason why... College football, the problem with college football is it doesn't have a boss. Colin Cowherd said it, and it's true. College football is made of conference commissioners. The SEC commissioner, the Pac-12 commissioner, the, the Big Ten commissioner. They don't have, they have to all come together and make decisions. It's not they all have to come together under one umbrella. I mean, the umbrella is the NCAA, but... They they don't have like a Adam Silver. They don't have a Roger Goodell. They don't have that. So because of that, you have you have so much going on right now that you know one conference is dropping out, another conference is dropping out. One conference is trying to uh, keep keep its status. Another one's another one's not. You have you, there's chaos right now in college basketball, college football, and college in general. There's chaos right now especially pertaining to college football. You have conferences like the the, the Big Ten that was announced yesterday. You have uh, the MEAC, I think the Pac-12. These conferences are pulling out, saying, you know, we're going to cancel the season. We don't know what's going on with the Rona. We don't know. What's, we don't know. There's not a handle on it. We're going to cancel the season. You have other people like the Big 12 and the the SEC and the ACC saying, hold on, we're going to try to, we, we want to see how the, you know, we want to, we want a, a season. Now, it's not looking good for college football. I mean, like I said, you, you have the big 12, big 10 pulling out. You have the, the MEAC, you have the Ivy league, which was the one that started it. You have all these conferences pulling out. It's not looking good for college football. The other problem with college football is the players don't have power. 
again, you look at, hell, even the NFL, which we talk about all the time how the NFL is more about the owners and don't really care about players. However, if Patrick Mahomes says he's not playing, the NFL more most definitely will make a change because they he is the best player. Or if, or if Lamar Jackson says, yo, I'm not playing because this, 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 and this. I put money, this, 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 and this will get changed because you want that product on the field. The problem with college football is it doesn't have that. It doesn't have a – if Trevor Lawrence says he wasn't – he's not going to play, and Trevor Lawrence more than likely will be the number one overall pick next year. If he says he's not playing, the the, the needle doesn't move. If Trevor, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields say, you know what, I'm not playing, the, the needle doesn't move because there's always kids that want to watch, and there's always – not kids. There's always kids that want to play college football, and there's always people that want to watch college football. So it's going to keep turning and keep churning. And the players came out and said that they want a players' union. Well, that's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen because that most definitely ensures that the players will have to get paid, and, and they don't want that. The NCAA doesn't want that. So it's like the players don't have a union, so they can't really fight for their rights. They can just have a whole bunch of players come together, I guess, start a coalition, send things to the uh, the Players' Tribune, write letters. Like They can do that, but they can't they can't really do anything else. The, the there's not a there's not an owner or a GM. I mean, there's not a commissioner over everything. So you have the SEC commissioner has to meet with the Pac-12 commissioner. The 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 ACC commissioner has to meet with the Big Ten commissioner. They all have to come together. It's like it's so much chaos right now. Do I think there will be a college football season? No. I don't think there should be a college football season. Hell, I, and I and I'm I know this is a sports podcast. I know that I love sports. We all know that I love sports, but I also understand the long t- and I also get the get the stats that people say you know kids, teenagers are less likely to contract the virus, and if they do, they're more likely to survive than someone that's elderly. I get those stats, but I don't. I, if I was a parent. And I think next week I'm going to try to have somebody on like a a therapist or something that has kids and I'll talk to her about it. But if I was a parent, I would not want to send my kid out there. I don't care if he's a number one recruit. I don't care what he is. I wouldn't or she is. I wouldn't want to send my child out there. And there's a whole virus where the problem, the thing that's funny to me is People are fighting that we should have college football, that we should have college basketball, that we should have all this going on with college right now. Yet and still, people are also fighting, saying there's not going to they don't want school or there's not going to be school. So how is it that you are telling me that, you know what, it's not safe enough for students, but it's safe enough for athletes? What I'm saying is this college, 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 college in general as far as sports, but particularly college football is in a mess right now. You have you have big conferences dropping out. You have smaller conferences dropping out. You have other conferences say they want to stay. You have you have players from conferences that have dropped out saying they want to play. You have other players saying I don't want to play. There's a lot going on with uh, college football has a lot of noise surrounding it. 
And rightfully so. College football needs change. There, there's changes that need to be made in terms of what's what what happens with college football, what happens with college basketball. Should there be a player union? Yes. But will there be a player union? No, because that means players have to get paid. Will college f- football happen? I don't know. I don't think it should, but we'll see. I it's just it's just a lot going on. And this, you know, this comes off the news yesterday that the Big Ten is 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 dropping out. And I think that the Pac twelve has already dropped out. If not already, I think they're soon dropping out. And and the SEC is trying to steadfast on, you know, what's what's going on. The SEC is trying to 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 there's like a 50-50 chance from what I've heard that the SEC that college football will happen with the SEC and I think the ACC. And and also that shows right there how much people or how much the NCAA really cares about these students or how much these conferences care about these students. Why so you're telling me the SEC the one the football belt and the ACC that has Clemson and Florida State are the only two that's like steadfast want to go. Now, now, now there were player people in the Big Ten. There were schools in the Big Ten like Michigan, Michigan State. They wanted to play. There are people in the Pac-12 like USC, um, I think Oregon. They want to play. But that just shows the teams that can win a, co- a, a championship, right, or has a chance to win a national championship wants to play. Of course, Alabama wants to play. Of course, Auburn wants to play. Of course, Clemson wants to play. Of course, Michigan and Michigan State are the only two teams in the Big Ten, from what I from what I read, I believe, that voted for a season. I'm surprised Ohio State didn't vote for a season. It just shows they really care about the national championship. And also, another thing that that's funny about this and. People, another another thing that I'm hearing is, but Jay, what happens if, you know, the draft stock? And this goes back to the college the college basketball conversation. You think of, of Trevor Lawrence, who, like I said, it, a lot of people project him to be the number one overall pick next year. Do you think if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play this year, he won't be the number one overall pick? Do you think that Justin Fields won't be the number two overall pick? Do you think that... Players still won't get drafted. There is seven. There are seven rounds in the NFL. You think? You think that if they thought, you know, I get no. There's plenty of tape out there for for athletes, man. And then of course you can do the go the Cam Newton route, do a whole bunch of uh, social media videos. That's that's always help. You know, hoop hoop mixtapes. No, I mean, I'm not saying have a hoop mixtape for NFL, but have a highlight tape that you make of last year and you're playing. You're like, you could play, and you will get drafted. Trust me, this this pandemic ain't stopping nobody from drafting. If you already thought you were going to draft uh, Trevor Lawrence and you get the number one overall pick and you need a quarterback, Trevor Lawrence is gone. If he plays or not, if you're number two overall pick and you need a quarterback, Justin Fields is gone. It doesn't affect anybody. So that's another tired statement. Uh, that's a statement that's not 2020. Because 2020 with technology how it is, streaming services how it is, cameras and people people that's so creative and, and make these highlight tapes and make these, 
these uh, highlight reels, of course you're gonna, they're still gonna get drafted, whether they play or not. Trevor Lawrence, they can have a season, and Trevor Lawrence sits out the entire season and still gets drafted number one. That's 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 what I'm saying, man. That's athletes are starting to understand now now more basketball than football, but athletes in general are starting to understand that they have the power. They are they are the the they are what's like these these schools, these organizations don't run without the players. And the players are starting to notice that, or starting to understand that and starting to see that how big their platform really is. Which is why you see a lot of players going to HBCUs. This is why you see a lot of players saying, you know what, I'm going to go to the G League. This is why you see a lot of players that's in college that's like, you know what, even with this virus, I understand about my draft stock could fall, but I can still get drafted. Which I understand, you know, the the money implications from getting drafted, you know, first round or the first ten picks. But look at look at players that look at think about it like this. Look at players that were drafted outside the top ten and how good they are. Look at look at Lamar Jackson. Now, of course, there's nobody like Lamar Jackson, but these are just you know, look at Lamar Jackson outside the top ten. Hell. I think he was like the last pick of the first round. And boom, he's an MVP. I believe uh, Patrick Mahomes was like 15th, I think. That's Patrick Mahomes. What I'm saying is, you're going to get, if you're good, you're going to get your money. Yeah, you might not get out the first contract, but you're going to get your money. So this, the tired, the tired uh, argument that what about their draft stock? Their draft stock is fine, man. If they do or do not play, there's enough NFL coaches, enough NFL scouts, enough people that know what these people can do. They ain't got to worry about, you know, what's what's going on with their draft stock. So, again, college football in particular is in a mess right now. And I think that I don't think that there'll be a season. I think that they they the liability is too risky. Imagine if they do have a season, right? Imagine if they do have a season. Imagine if a child or, or or a kid gets the coronavirus. And Lord forbid, I don't wish this upon anybody, but what? imagine that kid passes away because he had the coronavirus. Do you know how big that lawsuit is going to be? Do you know how bad the NCAA is going to look having a season when a lot of people feel and know that they shouldn't have a season because there's not, they don't have a handle on this virus. People are out here living their lives. That doesn't mean they have a handle on this virus. And the last thing, the last thing anybody wants is a child to die on their watch because they were reckless and because they wanted to have a season. So, Again, I don't think that college football is going to happen. I don't think it should happen, at least. I don't know if you can push it back to spring. I have no idea what they're going to do. But I do think that there's a lot going on right now. And college football is not going to change until you get a commissioner over everything, not just conference commissioner, until you get um, a players union, which probably ain't going to happen because, hey, you know, because they're not going to pay these players. So it's 
we're just gonna have to see. And I, when I say have to see, I don't I don't expect any change. I really don't. I honestly don't. So there's that. Um, let's move forward. Let's let's go let's go to NBA. Let's go to the NBA and and let's start with some headlines. Okay, let's start with some headlines that uh, I guess dominated the the airwaves last year last week or and yesterday. So um, I guess the small headline was Draymond Green was on the uh, I think inside the NBA and one he got fined for tampering for saying you know Devin Booker should leave. The Suns, which I guess that's tampering. I don't know, but I, I think that again, the NBA is funny when it comes to this tampering thing because I guess they don't want a big a super team again, or they don't want uh, Devin Booker to go to Golden State, even though he didn't say anything about going to Golden State. He just said he needs to leave Phoenix. Uh, yeah. So, but and another thing that he did, which was Draymond Green, he said that Kevin Durant was the greatest scorer ever. And that caused, and this was off of Charles Barkley saying in today's NBA, James Harden is the greatest scorer we've ever seen. Here's my take on that. Uh, I've had conversations, and I've had debates with a lot of people over the years about who is the greatest or the best scorer ever. Do I think that James Harden is the greatest scorer ever? No. Do I think that James Harden is one of the most creative scorers ever as far as he's able to manipulate the game? He's able his jump shot is incredible, his step back is incredible. His ability to get to the line, which is a skill, is second to none. Yes. Yes. But when I say when I and, and this is this is the caveat, right? When when you need a bucket, who do you ask for? And <laughs> I look, I love I and rest in peace. I love Kobe. I think that Kobe is one of the great one of the greatest offensive players ever. I think Kobe is the toughest shot maker ever. I think Kobe makes the toughest tough or makes the most toughest shots or bad shots cuz a lot of a lot of shots that Kobe makes takes and makes were bad shots, but he made them. And Kobe was incredible. Kobe was Kobe made some incredible, incredible shots. And Kobe made some tough shots. Like, how did he make that? So when I say that, you know, Kobe, do I think Kobe's the greatest offensive player ever? No. Do I think that Michael Jordan's the greatest offensive player ever? No. Do I think Wilt Chamberlain is the greatest offensive player ever? No, because he was playing against like he was playing against mailmen and 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 milk drivers. Don't get me wrong, you still got to score hundred, and and that's still incredible. But no, do I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest offensive player ever? No, but I do think his name does get left out a lot when we talk about greatest off greatest offensive players because I mean, like one, he's a center, and two. We look at the flashiness, and while he wasn't flashy, he was dominant. So, so I say all that to say, yes, I think that Kevin Durant is the greatest scorer ever. And my caveat is this: down three or down two, five seconds left. Who do I trust the ball with? Now, of course, you can bring me stats about LeBron James has done this, this, and this. You can bring me stats about Kobe and game winners, MJ and game winners, Allen Iverson and game winners. Okay. 
I got you. Boom. Thanks. What I'm saying is if I if I'm down two with five seconds left, who do I trust with the ball? Who do I want to take the last shot? I want Kevin Durant, who one is seven feet tall, two has ball handling skills like his guard, three has shooting skills like a guard, and can get to the can get to anywhere on the floor. I've seen Kevin Durant, and we've all seen Kevin Durant take three dribbles and go from the half court or go to like a step past half court to the to the um to the court. I mean to the to the basket. Now it's not as demonstrative and not as furious as a Giannis, but he to me Kevin Durant can shoot is is one of the best pure pull up shooters ever. So when Draymond Green says Kevin Durant is the best scorer ever, uh, you can hate me if you you mean you you might not like me, but I I, I agree with him because we've never seen somebody with that build, with that height, be able to do what he can do. You know, people talk about you know people talk about what about. You know, you can't, you can't, it's a cheat code that you're that tall. And I would, and I would, I wouldn't say it's a cheat code. It is genetics, but it'd be different if he was that tall as a center, just doing hook shots or, or banging like, 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 like Shaq used to do. But that's not what he's doing. This man is putting the ball on the ground. Do you, we remember, right? We remember how unstoppable he made. Golden State. Now, Golden State, of course, had Clay Thompson and, of course, had uh, Steph Curry. But his offensive offensive ability, he, he had things that the great Steph Curry didn't have. He has things that if you look at every superstar or your whatever your top ten is, right? And I'm not saying he's the greatest player ever. We're just talking about offensively. If you look at whoever's top ten. And I'm not going to go whatever my top 10 is. I'm not going to do that. But what I'm going to say is this. Look at everyone's top 10 or look at your top 10, whoever's listening. Look at your top 10 and look at out of all those top 10 players, I'm almost sure Kevin Durant does something better offensively than all of them does. If you, if you, you know, Michael Jordan, he's taller. He can dribble better than Michael Jordan. LeBron James, he shoots better than LeBron James. Kobe Bryant, he gets to the rim better than Kobe Bryant, and he shoots the three better than Kobe Bryant, and shoots the three better than LeBron James, now thinks about it. You know, I'm not going to go down the list, of course, but what I'm saying is we have never seen an offensive weapon like KD. And I I tend to agree with, uh, I tend to agree with Draymond Green that Kevin Durant is the best scorer we've ever seen. So if you don't agree, of course, you can leave it in the comments. You can hit me up and, and let me know how you feel. I respect it. I really do. Trust me. I I respect people's opinions. So, yeah. Um, Another headline is I think after August 12th, which is in, uh, what, two days, once your team is eliminated, like there's there's teams that's mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, like the the Wizards, which let me before I keep going, man. Let me tell you, let me, look, let me just, I have to do a, a little rant. 
The Wizards are such, were such a disappointment this season, even before the coronavirus. We're such a disappointment in this bubble where it's like, why did you waste our time? I get, if you get invited to the bubble, I get it. Do your thing. Shouts out to you. But you didn't even win a game. A game. And I was I was over here pumping my chest. Yeah, the Wizards have a shot. And then all of a sudden I heard um, Bertans wasn't going. Then I heard Bradley Bill wasn't going. Then I heard John Wall wasn't going. I said, ah, never mind. And then that's what it was just. God, the Wizards are so disappointing. But back to what I was saying. Teams that are mathematically eliminated are are immediately leaving the bubble after I think August 12th. Like you have to leave, I think August 12th. And that lead, you know, that means that uh the Wizards are gone. That means I believe the Pelicans are gone. Let's talk about the Pelicans for a second. The NBA did everything in their power to have the Pelicans make it to the playoffs. You know, you you invite them when when I don't even think they should have been invited. You you try your hardest to they had the easiest schedule in the in the bubble, actually. I think um they like people broke it down. They had the easiest schedule in the bubble. And they still lost. And here's the problem with the Pelicans, man. The Pelicans have a lot of young players, but these young players, right? These young players did not reach their expectation outside of Brandon Ingram. Because Brandon Ingram was incredible in the bubble. The only problem with Brandon Ingram, however, is he kind of has that um, that Javion Clowney uh, syndrome, in my opinion. One game, he'll look, and we'll talk about him a little bit later, but one game, he'll look incredible. One game, he'll look like... A lot of people deemed him as like the the next uh, KD because of his body type, but he looked as good as KD in some in some some situations. There's other situations where he looked terrible. He looked like not terrible. I'm not gonna say terrible, but he disappeared. It's like oh shoot, Brandon Ingram's. I forgot Brandon Ingram's on the floor, and that should never happen if you're a superstar. In fact, that never happens if you're a superstar. But the problem with the Pelicans in general is. The star, the 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 people on their team that needed to show up did not show up. You know, there was a whole Zion uh, minutes restriction thing. Zion is overweight, and we've clearly seen that he gets gassed. And with him being gassed, his ability to play defense is hindered. Uh, shoot, I mean. True Holiday is pretty much the only veteran. You do have Derek Favors, but people. I even forgot Derek Favors on that team. That's how much of an impact he's made. Uh, Josh Hart and 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 the person that I want to focus on on why this Pelicans team did not win is Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball before the before and. Before the the season ended, right, or before the season had to take a take a break for Corona, Lonzo Ball was having an incredible season. He, I think, he was having career highs offensively, 
Uh, he was he was playing incredible defense. He was he was doing he was incredible assisting the ball, especially to Zion when he came back from injury, and he was taking some of the pressure off of a Drew Holiday and off of a Brandon Ingram because he was holding his weight offensively and defensively. <sighs> man, oh man, I don't know what happened. Maybe. Maybe you know, I guess the break had effects on different people and different teams, but some people came back from the break, and we'll talk about them in a second, and just took off. Other people came from the break and was like, ah, and Lonzo Ball was the prime example. Lonzo Ball played, I, I think, honestly, like, if, if I really am serious, out of all the people that played and, and had, like, an, uh, ample minutes. Lonzo Ball might have been the worst player in the bubble. Offensively, he couldn't hit anything. This, in fact, I don't think there was a game yet that he scored over ten points. I don't believe so. I could be wrong. Hey, I don't. I'm not. I'm not about to look it up. But I could be wrong. But I don't think there was a game where he scored over ten points. It was just, oh man, Lonzo Ball. Not, and it wasn't just offensively. He had a lot of turnovers. He had a lot of. He was missing defenders. They had to take him off the floor a lot of times because his defense was so bad. Same thing they had to do with uh, Zion. But it was just it. Look, it's not just Lonzo at this point. It's the the entire Pelicans team is just a disappointment. The NBA tried everything in their power to have a LeBron James Zion Williamson battle the first round of the playoffs, and it's looking like. And it looking like the Pelicans are mathematically eliminated. So after August 12th, they gone. And I think there was one more team uh, right now that I can't really think of. But, yeah, man. Um, it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's disappointing. But let's, let's go to a fluke or here to stay. And these are the things that we're going to talk about. And, of course, this is the NBA edition. We're going to talk about uh, things that... No, you know what? Before we go, before we do that, I want to talk about one more thing. I'm sorry. I want to talk about one more thing. So, Joel Embiid... Uh, well, Ben Simmons... I think... I don't remember. I don't, it didn't. Before, last time we talked... No, since last time we talked, Ben Simmons... I think he had a partially dislocated knee or something, and he's out for the for the rest of this season. And Joel Embiid twists his ankle, um, I think, last game, and he's going to be out maybe a game or two. And the 76ers have been exactly what we thought they would be in this bubble. They have struggled defensively. Now, yes, they've won games. Don't get me wrong. They they have a, they have enough talent to just surely win games off talent alone. But they've struggled defensively. They struggled offensively. They've struggled. They they've had team fights or or jarring back and forth in game. It's time. <laughs> I was I was always one to hold out hope because I was always I'm always the type of person that you can't have you can't you can't have um too much talent, right? But then I think I look at the I look at the um I look at this year's 76ers like I looked at 
uh, I believe it was 2005 or 2000. The the team that won bronze, the t- team USA that won bronze. Now, no, no, no. <laughs> the this this year's 76ers is not Team USA. But let's look at that Team USA team. You know, you had LeBron, you had Melo, you had Carlos Boozer, you had Sean Marion, you had Allen Iverson, you had Tim Duncan, you had Sean Marion, you had, uh, oh no, uh, Stephon Marbury, you had uh, Kevin Garnett, um, I believe you had Gary Payton. Like, they had so many good pieces. The problem, and it was coached by Larry Brown, the problem with that team was... No, you didn't have too much talent, but the talent didn't fit together or you didn't you didn't give it ample time to work together. You didn't you didn't they didn't understand how to incorporate a Stefan Marbury with a with a Gary Payton. They didn't understand how to incorporate a Tim Duncan with a Kevin Garnett. They they were having a hard time uh, finding minutes or giving minutes to LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony. Carlos Boozer was playing too many minutes. Uh, Sean Marion was playing too many minutes. It was just a lot. They just, they were all the talent in the world. They just could and Allen Iverson and Sean Marion pretty much hand in hand at that point. Or not Sean Marion, Stephon Marbury were pretty much hand in hand at that point. It's like you had so much talent, but you didn't give them time to to gel with each other you didn't give them time and allow or help them figure out how to play with each other let's now look at this year or now let's look at this team it's not just the team right 76ers let's look at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid I've said it time and time and time again Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid control the same part of the floor and they controlled the same amount of floor. It'll be different if Ben Simmons was a was a was a knockdown three point shooter. That means that you give the the spacing changes. That means that Ben Simmons is able to operate a little more past the three point line, and you give Joel Embiid the paint. It'd be different if Joel Embiid was a better mid range and three point shooter. Then you can kind of switch it in. And you can do a lot more pick and rolls. You can do a lot more uh, pick and pops with Joel Embiid. But no, Ben Simmons is not a, uh, is not a good three point shooter at all. In fact, he is a not he's not a three point shooter at all. He doesn't even take any three point shoot shots. He's he's now yes, don't get me wrong. He's an incredible player, but he just, he just doesn't take threes. Joel Embiid is not is not as reliable as a three point shooter to make defenders trust him or or go out to the three-point line or go out to the mid-range. They they are incredible players that just, I feel, do not gel together. They do not work together. And we've seen time and time again, they don't fit together. When one is out, another one plays better. When Ben Simmons is out, Joel Embiid plays like the best center in the plays like one of the best centers that ever played a game when Joel Embiid's out Ben Simmons looks like a baby Giannis it's just it's I think it's time for them to leave and not to mention we all know unless he just has an underlying deal we know that Brett Brown is probably gone there should be no reason why you have a Giannis you have a Ben Simmons you have a Tobias Harris you have Al Horford you have a Jason Richardson and 
you, you more than likely will get bounced out the first or second round in the playoffs. Like, that's more than likely going to happen. There should be no reason why a team with that much talent struggles as much as they do, both offensively and defensively. And there should be no reason why a team with that much talent has a losing record at home or uh, away. So, yes, Ben's Brett Brown is probably gone. But I think that we may have probably seen the last time Joel Embiid and Ben Sims are on the floor together. I just now, of course, I get the the saying, you know, or the thinking that wait, we have two maybe cornerstone players. Why would we want to give it up? Yes, but they I don't think they they don't fit. To me, that's like, ah oh man, that's like putting um, that's like putting Trey Young on Golden State. I just don't think that fits. That just doesn't fit at all. It's like putting Giannis on. That's like putting Giannis, even though they'd be incredible. That's like putting Giannis on uh, on uh, the Lakers. That just doesn't fit. So I think we've probably seen the last time. Um, we've probably seen the last of Ben Simmons and and Joel Embiid playing with these. We've definitely seen the last time Brett Brown. I think. Once the season is over, I think this is the last time Brett Brown coaches um, the 76ers. I just think the writing is kind of on the wall at this point. I think this is last season. But I also think, you know, with Ben Simmons out for the rest of the season, I think this is the last time we've probably seen Ben and Joel Embiid play, again, play together, play together on the same floor. So, yeah, now, now, <laughs> now let's get to uh, fluke or here to stay. And let's first talk about the Lakers and Clippers defensive problems. <sighs> Do I think that the Lakers defensive problems are here to stay? Yes, and only because of who is not in the bubble and who's not playing right now. The Lakers are... The Lakers are not good. The Lakers are the Lakers are terrible perimeter perimeter defense because they had a lot of you know they depended on Avery Bradley. They depended on a on a Ray John Rondo, and they're both out. Avery Bradley didn't even go to the bubble, and Rondo hurt his, or dislocated his thumb or finger or something like that. I think that their de- the, the, their defensive problems is here to stay. Yeah, you're probably going to get Rondo uh, later in the playoffs, but you still you know. It's it's tough, man. It's tough. Not to mention, the Lakers are the worst shooting team in the league right now, as far as in the bubble, and that that does not spell that does not spell good. So, I think that the I don't think that, and I said this before. I think I don't think the Lakers are a championship team. Do can they make the championship? Of course, because you have LeBron James and AD. I mean. Yeah, but I just don't think, you know, with their defense, defensive struggles, especially perimeter, now they're still a solid defensive team when it comes to protecting the rim because they have a lot of tall – I mean, I mean, it's a tall team. You have LeBron, you have AD, you have Kuzma, you have uh, JaVale McGee, you have Dwight Howard. They're going to be really good def- uh, rim defenders, but when we talk about perimeter – Ah, I guess a little dicey when you have to when you have to depend on a Quinn Cook to defend Alex Caruso, uh, KCP. It gets a little dicey, especially when you have to go up against people like Luca. Have to go up against Dame Lillard or CJ McCollum or, you know, 
someone like that, it just it, hell. Look look what happened when they had to play Toronto. Kyle Lowry had thirty on them. So I do think that the Lakers' defensive problems are here to stay. Now I do think that the Clippers' defensive problems is a fluke right now, and and because. They just don't, they kind of, I, now I'm not saying that they just don't care. I hate when people say that. I mean, you step on the floor, you're going to care. I think that, I think that they're coasting. Because there should be no reason why. The, and, and I'm saying this because they look horrible. Like, if you look at their last few games, you know, losing to to the Nets, how they lost, they look terrible. But to me, to me, it is hard to believe that, a two-time defensive player of the year in in Kawhi Leonard and a defensive player of the year runner-up uh, or no uh, finalist in Paul George an incredible um these to me are the two best on-ball defenders and you're telling me that now that they're horrible no I don't believe so so and of course you have Patrick Beverly who is a disruptor you have Montrezl Harold who's coming back to the bubble or he's back in the bubble now um yeah, I just, I just, I, I think that the Clippers' defensive problems is going to once they got their whole team back, which is Montrez, and where he's gonna have to, I think, ten day quarantine. But once he's back, I think that you're gonna see. And, I, and don't get me wrong, Montrez Harold isn't a isn't a Tyson Chandler, but he does help rotations kind of get back in in flux. I do think that I think the Lakers' defensive problems and offensive problems is a fluke. I mean, no, is is here to stay. But I do think that the Clippers' offensive and defensive problems is a fluke because, like I said, I think that they're just waiting for the playoffs because that's what they've been doing all season. They've been arresting players. They've been taking games off pretty much. So I think that, you know, we're, that's, that's what's happening. Um, let's talk about T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren is – and it's not just T.J., man. It's T.J. It's – Austin Rivers, who dropped what forty something uh, that a uh, couple days ago, it's p- players are player. Look, I think it's a fluke, but I don't think that they're bad players. I think that some players are adjusting better to not playing with the crowd than others. I think that some of the names that you like, some of the players that don't really need, and and I'm okay. Let me. How am I gonna say this? I think TJ Warren probably more than likely plays better in practice or plays better in practice than he does in games. I'm pretty sure Austin Rivers plays better in practice than in games. And I think that they're giving, you know, again, you're seeing some players flourish uh, with no fans. Now, yeah, you have the arena noise and you have players going back and forth, but I think that this setting helps them more than a help like a big name play like LeBron James even came out and said you know it's been a it's been an adjustment and a struggle sometimes playing with no because he hasn't played without fans in a long time that's what he said so I think that players like TJ Warren which you know he had a 50 point game a couple 39s a couple a couple 30s like he's one of the he's one of the highest scoring players in the league I'm going to say that's a fluke. Now, no, I'm not saying that they're bad players or he's a bad player and like Austin Rivers is a bad player, but I do think that they are flourishing not playing in front in front of crowds. I think it might help them more than help a bigger player or or a bigger named player because they the bigger named player hasn't done it in so long. So, I think TJ players like TJ Warren, I think players like um 
players like uh, Austin Rivers and their scoring burst. I, I I say that's a fluke for now. Next, let's talk about let's talk about the Suns. The Suns, I think, are five and zero in the in the bubble. Uh, they've they've okay. So the Suns have played off pure hustle. The Suns have they they don't if you if you look at the talent on their team, their talent isn't different from anybody else's talent. I mean, their talent isn't different than what they had before the bubble, but they're just playing. I think a lot of teams that they're playing aren't ex- are expecting them to roll over. I don't think that's the case. Devin Booker's played incredible. Uh, Cameron Payne, who I'm always on because I still, to this day, don't know how Cameron Payne is still in the NBA. But he has looked incredible. You have player, players looking incredible. You know, DeAndre Aiden's looking good. Uh, Cam Johnson looks good. Like, I think that, I don't know, I think that it's a fluke. <laughs> but I do think that the the Suns are playing incredible and <clears throat> definitely deserve their 5-0 and because they played some really good teams. I believe, yeah, you know, Devin Booker hit the game winner on the Clippers. They beat, uh, they beat some really good teams. And... They beat who's on their schedule. So and and they be, they haven't just beat them because like the other teams just like folded. They they've hustled and they've they've been playing hard. Like and that's the thing. What's what's happening with the Suns is what I thought would happen with the Pelicans. You know, you have a young team, you have a hungry star, and you know, I now know I'm not saying Brandon Ingram right now is on the same level as Devin Booker, but and but a lot of people think they could. But you have hungry stars, you know, youth. I thought that what the Suns are doing, the Pelicans would do. But no, the Pelicans have played lethargic. They played like they don't even know how to play defense. They can't hit no shots. They've just played horrible. And the Pelicans, I mean, and the Suns have played like they're freaking, like they, they're incredible. So I think that this, the, the Suns are a fluke just because I remember who the Suns are. And I think this is the first a five game win streak since like 2013 or 2003 or something like that. So I would say it's a fluke, but I do think that the Suns have played incredible. Devin Booker's played incredible. The whole team has played incredible. So I do like what I'm saying from the Suns. Let's talk about Dame, right? No, what Dame is doing is not a fluke. I want to talk about Dame because, you know, when we talk about best point guards in the league, of course, to me, number one, when healthy, is Steph Curry. But then it gets dicey after. You know, a lot of people might put Russell Westbrook. A lot of people might put um, – uh, some people might want to cheat and put Giannis. Some people want to put Ben Simmons. Some people want to put Dame, of course. But there's always there's always conversation, right? about who is the second best who's the yeah who's the second a lot of people want to put James Harden but there's always a conversation about who's the second best point guard one James Harden to me is not a point guard he's a shooting guard LeBron James is not a point guard he's a power he's a point forward I mean he just plays point guard because Quinn Cook is your best point guard right now and no Giannis is not a point guard he just has the ball in his hand a lot because he's the best player um on that team but the com to me, and I say this all the time, 
why is it that there is a con? I think that there's yeah, you can have a conversation about who's the third best point guard, but we've seen year after year after year that Damian Lillard is the second best point guard in the league. Some people argue he's the first best. Or he's the first best. Some people argue he is the best. Damian Lillard just scored his, what, 10th? Or, yeah, just just scored his 10th 50-point game. And he only joins a list that has, like, LeBron, Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, Wilt Chamberlain. Like, those players. KD is not on that list. Last time, I don't believe James Harden's on that list. I think that it's time. I think that it's time to really give Damian Lillard his flowers, and understand that what we're seeing from Damian Lillard isn't just, um, isn't just. Oh shoot, yeah, I forgot about Dame. Like it's time to really put respect on Dame's name. So, no, I don't think what Dame is doing because Dame has scored the most points in the bubble. I think that it's definitely here to stay. It's not a fluke, and it's time to really acknowledge that Damian Lillard is probably, when healthy, the second best point guard. Some people can argue the first, I mean, some people can argue the best point guard in the league. So, there's that. So, uh, the NBA award nominations have come out. And we're going to talk about, of course, the MVP, Rookie of the Year, Most Valuable Player, Defensive Player of the Year, or Most improved player, defensive player of the year, six man and coach of the year. And I'm going to break, you know, I'm going to give you guys who is in the, the the three finalists and who I think should win and why. Let's start with uh, the coach of the year. You have Mike Budenholzer from the Bucks, Billy Donovan from, from the OKC and Nick Nurse from Toronto. I'm just going to, I'm not going to tell you who I think will win. I'm just going to say who I would choose. Going into the season, everybody and their mother outside of OKC thought OKC was going to be a horrible team. I thought, I didn't think that Chris Paul was going to make it uh, through the whole season. I really didn't think Chris Paul was going to play a game in OKC. I didn't think that, I thought that, of course, you give up Russell Westbrook. And you did get some good pieces. You got Shea Gilders Alexander. You got Danilo Gallinari. But I just didn't. I didn't see the. I didn't see OKC being good. I and I definitely didn't see that they would be one of the best teams in the league. Hell, they have a really good chance of going deep in the playoffs. And because of that, I have to give it to Billy Donovan. Yeah, I like what Nick Nurse is doing, especially after losing Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and and uh, the Toronto being the second overall seed in the East. Of course, I love what Mike Budenholz is doing with Giannis and them being the number one team in the East, but nobody thought, and let me just speak for myself, I didn't think that the OKC Thunder would be this good. I thought they were going to be a lottery team. I didn't think they were going to be, they had a good shot of at least making it to the Western Conference Finals. And because of that, I have Billy, I, my coach of the year is Billy Donovan. I can't deny what I thought and what I see. So, let's go with six men. You have Montrez Harold uh, for the Clippers, you have Lou Williams for the Clippers, and you have um, 
Dennis Schroeder for the OKC. The reason why I'm not going to, I don't think that Montrez Harold or Lou Williams should win is because to me, I can't pick between the two. I think they both average 18 plus points a game, but is I can't really choose between the two. They both are equally as effective for okay, I mean for um for the Clippers. Montrez Harold dominates down low, um even though he's an undersized big his energy and his his athleticism makes him incredible. He and and Lou Williams dominates the perimeter and the mid range. You know, if Lou Williams, we all know everybody named Mama knows Lou Williams is going right, but you can't stop it because he goes right every time and he hits it damn near every time. So is I can't really I to me they they dominate the court the same, however different positions. I mean like different areas. Like of course, like I said, Lou Williams is more perimeter. As far as he, he's an incredible three-point shooter, incredible mid-range, you know, and, and Montrezl Harrell dominates the boards, dominates, you know, with energy, the the paint. Here's why I would choose Den, Dennis Schroeder. A lot of people talk about how great Chris Paul has been for OKC, and he's been incredible. A lot of people talk about how great Shea Gilders Alexander is, but he's been, in, and he's been incredible. A lot of people don't talk about how important Dennis Smith or no Dennis Schroeder is for OKC. Dennis Schroeder is is the is this is the glue that holds that bench together. And Dennis Schroeder's had some incredible big moments this entire year. So and it also goes back to what I said about Daily Donovan. I didn't expect nobody expected OKC to be as good as they are. So because of that, I have Dennis Schroeder winning six man of the year. That doesn't take away from how good Montrose Harold and Lou William is, but I can't I, it's, I can't choose between the two, but I can't and it's hard for me to look at both of them and think, okay, if Lou Williams is not here, how good is Okay, I mean, how good is um? It's like this: if Lou Williams was not there and only Montrezl Harrell was, yeah, the Clippers would be a little worse, but they'll still be good. If Montrezl Harrell wasn't there and Lou Williams was, they'll be a little worse, but they'll still be good. If Dennis Schroeder was gone, they would be considerably worse. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't think that they'll fall off a cliff, but Dennis Schroeder is a very important piece to OKC. That's why I have him as six man. Let's let's go to defensive player of the year. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo for the Bucks. You have Anthony Davis for the Lakers, and you have Rudy Gobert for the um, Utah Jazz. To me, this is pretty easy. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I believe that people are shooting below fifty percent when they're guarding when he's guarding them, or I think they're only hitting like fifty percent of their shots. Giannis is, he's a great on-ball defender. He's a great rim protector. Giannis is Giannis. And I have, I mean, I don't really, yeah, AD is good. But as we've seen, and, and of course, there, all of these, um, all of these uh, picks are going to be like the, you they're they're taking their data from before the the season ended. So everything that's going on in the bubble is not counting towards these, from what I believe. But 
even before Giannis is to me, Giannis was has been the defensive player of the year, and I have Giannis as winning. Most improved player. Now, before I talk about who I think, let's use Bam Adebayo, Adebayo for from Miami Heat, Luka Doncic, Dallas Mavericks, and Brandon Ingram from uh, New Orleans. I don't think any of them is the most improved player, honestly. I think the most improved player is Devontae Graham from the Hornets. Devontae Graham went from, I think, scoring four or five points a game to 18. He is, he has, he's every stat he had last year, he's improved this year. The reason why I think he's not on this list is because they don't win enough, which is the same reason why Bradley Bill wasn't an all-star. More than likely, which it's 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 very unfortunate, and I don't think it should be the case, but more than more than likely why he's not going to be in all-NBA team. I'm seeing all these people look at their or talk about their all-NBA teams, and Bradley Bill is not on one of them. And, and it's it's unfortunate seeing as though before this thing, before the season ended, he was the second overall scorer in the league but because the Hornets don't win enough I think that they didn't put they didn't have him for consideration even though to me Devontae Graham has had a bigger better improvement than a Bam Adebayo than a Luka who by the way I think Luka won what rookie of the year and Brandon Ingram so I don't think any of them are I think that the most improved player should go to Devontae Graham but for all the for the three that we have, there's a reason why. Um, there's a reason why we all know who Bam Adebayo is, and it's not because he looks like Dwight Howard. It's not because he plays alongside uh, Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo is an incredible. Yeah, he is a to me. He's a better. He's a he's a high like a better Montrez Harold. He's good offensively. He's he's an incredible defender, and he is the glue. He alongside Jimmy Butler is the glue that keeps the Heat together. If Bam is having a good game, more than likely they're winning, and that's how good Bam Adebayo is. And because of that, I have Bam out of out of all the people that are selected. Because again, I would have chose Devonte Graham, but out of Bam, Luca, and Brandon Ingram, I'll choose Bam out of Bio as most improved. I don't think that Luca deserves most improved, even though he's incredible. And and I have to, I have to. Last last episode, I said that Devin Booker was a top ten player, and Luca was not. I would like to apologize now. I was wrong. I was most definitely wrong. Luca is for sure a top ten player in the league. And how incredible Devin Booker is to me, he's from what I've seen, <laughs> he's not better than uh, Luka Doncic. But I don't think Luka Doncic is most improved because I think he won what rookie of the year last year. Or so, and Brandon Ingram has an incredible season, but a lot of what we saw in the bubbles, what we saw um, in the regular season, even though he has played incredible, don't get me wrong, he was an All Star for a reason, but. You know, I, I got to give it to Bam Adebayo. <laughs> Let's go rookie of the year. Uh, you have John Morant. You have um, Kevin Nunn or Kendrick Nunn, I'm sorry, from the Heat. And you have Zion. Honestly, I would put Zion third in this. 
because he didn't play half the season. And a lot of people forget maybe because he's not the big name and and, and a lot of people weren't aren't really weren't really expecting him to be good or that good, but a lot of people forget how good Kendrick Nunn not only is, but how important he is to the Heat. And and he he's had some made some incredible shots this whole season, even before the stoppage. I would have Kevin or Kendrick Nunn second when we talk about um when we talk about who should win rookie of the year. Uh, it's not a popular take because we understand how good Zion was when, you know, he came back and he had a couple 30-point games and, you know, his athleticism, this, that, and third. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But a lot of – but, again, let, let's not – let's a lot, of, a lot of this is recency bias, right? A lot of this is once um, Zion came, we just forgot about Kendrick Nunn and we forgot about – a lot of people had – like, hell, he's in the running, but a lot of people had Zion – over John Morant, which to me is is crazy as as terms of rookie of the year. But let's not forget how good Kendrick Nunn was, especially early in the season. And I don't even think he dropped off that much production wise. It's just the focus then turned to John Morant. The focus then turned to uh um Zion Williamson. So I have I have Kendrick Nunn second in that list. Now, I mean with with that being said, you know, <laughs> John Moran has been incredible this entire year. Uh, his athlete, you know, he he has helped the Grizzlies play make it to uh, at least consideration for the playoffs. They're fighting for the ninth spot right now, or the eighth spot. They're in the eighth spot. I'm sorry, they're in the eighth spot, and they're 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 fighting to keep that. Um, it has to be John Morant, in my opinion. He's he's done it for the entire season. He's done. He's been better than Kendrick Nunn, even though Kendrick Nunn has been good, and he's done it longer than Zion Williamson. So, my rookie of the year to me has to go to John Morant. And now the big one, the MVP. Uh, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, you have LeBron James, and you have James Harden. To me. This one is now a lot of people want to say it's a two man race and it is a two man race. Yeah, on the this is what the sixth or seventh year that James Harden finishes in the top three, um, but it's either between Giannis Tetacumpo and LeBron James, and it's hard for me to. This goes back to recency bias. This goes back to a lot of people look at LeBron, look at what he did, look at, you know, how he clinched it or how he helped clinch um, the number one overall seed for the Lakers. But when I look at the MVP and I look at the, the overall season, right, I look at what they've done the entire season. To me, it is hard for me not to, and of course, head-to-head, I think they split. It's hard for me not to look at what Giannis has done and not made him the back-to-back MVP. Do I think Giannis is the best player in the league? No. But I do think that he deserves to call himself the two-time back-to-back game. I think that he deserves the MVP this year. Um, and I think that, I think the first time since 
Michael Jordan, maybe? I don't I don't I don't remember, but I think this will be the first time in a while that a player wins the defensive player of the year and uh MVP. Meaning I think that this year's MVP goes to Giannis. Do I think that Giannis do I think that LeBron James is still the best player in the world? Yes. Do I think that he's better than Giannis? Yes. But I think that when we look at the totality of the season, not just looking or looking at before the see, and that's the thing, looking at before the bubble, I have to give it to Giannis. I mean, Giannis has just been incredible. So um yeah, those are my those are my awards, man. Those, you know, it's 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 fun every year to see who the NBA, at least the finalists, who the NBA think deserve to be finalists and who people think, you know, again snubbed. Like I I still don't understand how Devontae Graham to me did not is not a finalist of the most improved player. I get the fact that, you know, the Houston, I mean the Hornets didn't win that much, but it, it's not a team thing. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a the most improved player, you know, for, you know, because the team, you know, no. So, yeah, um, before we go, uh, I want to shout out to Colin Morikawa. I'm sorry. I know I messed your name up. I apologize. He won his first PGA Tour. He shot six under 64. Um, Shouts out to you. And the thing about that was I didn't watch it, of course, but I, I did see the ratings and they were pretty good. Uh, and I, you know, you know, I'm always one of the people I'm not watching if Tiger Woods isn't watching, but I do want to say shouts out to Colin and, you know, shouts out for winning your first one. And lastly, so Darius Geis, uh, he was a running back for the Washington football team and he did play in LSU. He was arrested for domestic violence and soon released by Washington. Here's the thing about Darius Geis, man. And this is the thing that we see all the time. Your own teams will put up. Teams will put up with you. If you're producing on the field. Do I think that domestic violence is right? Hell no. Do I think I don't think anybody should put their hands on a female. I don't think that anybody should put their hands on anybody, honestly, as far as like fighting or something. But um. Again, it'd be different. I'm not saying it'd be different, but I'm sure Washington would have. It would have been a lot tougher to 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 make that decision to release him or not if he was produ- producing. If he was, if he wasn't constantly injured, as he as he usually is, I'm pretty sure he'd probably still be on the team. They'll just, oh, we're gonna, you know, the team is. We have to huddle around him and give him the help he needs. No, because he was always injured and didn't produce as much as. They thought he would. He's gone. Hell, he had situ- he had situations in college, like he had off the field situation in college. But they took a flyer. That's why he 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 fell in the draft. It wasn't because of his production. It was if it was just production, he can be a first round pick, second round pick. But it was because of the off the field issues. So I you know I pray for Darius guys. I pray that he you know gets his stuff together, but. This is just another case of domestic violence when we talk about him and when we talk about uh, it's just another it's just, like look like it's just another case of the NFL. You know, if you're not producing, you're not staying. It doesn't matter how like look at AB. 
AB's about to get. Look at everything that happened with AB. Now, no, it wasn't domestic violence or anything. But look at everything that happened with AB. From the Steelers to wherever he goes next. And I know he's going sore next. Hell, look at Big Ben and how many allegations he had off the field. And he still continues to get a shot. Look at AP and, and Adrian Peterson. Look at uh, Tyreek Hill. Look at Kareem Hunt. It's If you're not producing, you're gone, bro. And that's just how it is. And I'm not saying it's right, but that's how it is. So... Again, I pray for Darius Geis. I pray for if if the allegations are true, I pray for the victim that of Darius Geis. And um, yeah, there you have it, guys. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Um, thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you for listening. Whoever is here, uh, I got my hoodie on today. Um, if you want a uh, hoodie or a unpopular podcast shirt, it's either white or black. DM me, hit me up. I, I got you. Just, you know, I think it might be maybe $10, $15. We'll talk about it. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys, and I love you guys. And until next time, much love. Back with the Remus. These boys are my sons like Phoenix. My city and state never ever seen this. Jimmy Neutron, I'm a young boy genius. On a futon, I'ma give her that penis. When it's just done, I'ma fill up arenas. Ooh, like Gilbert Arenas. Shoot my shot, I'm still with the demons. Ooh, I keep it thorough. I got five chicks in New York, that means one in each borough. I'm in the pocket like Burl. When I'm back home, no, they treat me like Robert De Niro. Took her to talk about butter or churl. Took her home, gave her a cinnamon swirl. I left it in, now I got a one euro. Zeros on zeros on zeros. That's what my bank account balance say. I got a check from a shoe company, now I do anything. A new balance say I bought her a plane to get out of state. I got me a shorty from Runaway. Said I'm in town today. She said she coming over and she down to stay. I got a hit. She been playing that shit. So when she pull up on me, I know what she about to say. What's poppin'? Brand new whip just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that bitch like Stockton. Just joshing. I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Calling my bitch, tell her bring me that noggin. Brain real good, she a scholar. I like a thing with low mileage. Good brain with no college. Call me the baby, no Tyler. I'm real creative and stylish. F in my denim. I send that hit, make them spin them. And I just flew back from LA on the J yesterday. I go back and forth like I play tennis. I fuck with your hoe, yeah, I feel for it. Still on the billboard, the number one song in UK. And now they got so fucking rich, all these hoes on my dick. I said, don't give a fuck what you say. She eat it like a Pac-Man, nigga. Whoop a nigga like I'm Batman, nigga. I just put up in the Batmobile. The reason I ain't fucking with these rap ass niggas, cause they cap ass niggas and they raps ain't real. Believe me, you wanna keep your life and take it easy. I'm rocking water. Diamonds need a squeegee. These niggas water down, they drink a Fiji. My whip is orange and brown like I'm in Cleveland. My bitch is mellow, yellow like a soda. These niggas title tellers, I'm a soldier. Hey, somebody tell them niggas that it's over. You know it's baby, nigga. What's poppin'? Brand new whip just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that bitch like stock. I got scat and I caught her. I'm out here with somebody's daughter. She calling me daddy. I'm somebody's father. I gotta go diss it. I went, I go kiss it. I put my lips on it like somebody watered it. Diamond a glacier. The card in the wallet. She put up to fuck me, but nobody caught it. She told me that she wasn't feeling my music. I fought it. She told me it's nobody harder. And I'm with the G ski. I need that shit for the free ski. We are not buying no pussy. You selling on peace tree. It's so much work on my celly. I had to go tell all my bitches. Email it to reach me. All in my DM. I'll follow your BM. She played with the crow ski. We used to fuck on the low ski. She used to lie on my bed and go lie to your face and say, I'm just a bro. Nigga, you knows me, you ain't believe it, you wanted to toast me I had it standing as long as a ruler in case you was cooling and wanna approach me Dropped up and take her, came back in the cullin' and she wanna fuck again I want that tongue again, stuck it so deep that she cough up a lung again Five star bitches, they on the run again, run again Running in diamonds, they illuminating the way that I come again I just put so many pennies on the watch and I don't never got a stun again Nigga, look toy. What's poppin'? Canada. Brand new whip, just hopped in I got options, I can pass that bitch like Stockton Just joshin', 
I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top 10. Boom, what's bracken? Brand new whip, new mansion. Brand new tips, new dances. Same old dick, new magnums. Same old shit, new maggots. Same old throne, new dragons. Same old strong, new ashes. I can pass that bit like magic. Yeah, I ain't capping, I'm lit, I'm active. Yeah, look, five in it bit like packs and yak. I'm drowning this milk like Applejack. I sell a bit, dream, put tax on that. Look, slamming that bit, that slap a slap. Your bum press roll, that's black, bum black. Yeah, nine, nine, problem. The bitch ain't one yet. Numbers don't lie, that's the aftermath. Yeah, what's poppin'? Poppin'. Brand new phone, just dropped it. Fuck it, I got options. I buzz down a couple Apple Watches. Hello? I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad bitch in her friend zone. Ooh, ooh, I'ma bust all on the skin tone. I be messed up as Ken Jones. Ooh, ooh, dark hair bitch like she go. I like I'm blind like me though. Although I'm dying, call Leo. I was still slide like Neo. Keep all around my pre roll. New Orleans nigga, I'm Creole. She say, Bitch, does that hurt when I deep throw? I just back now for your T ho. What's poppin'? Brand new whip just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that bitch like Stockton. Just joshing. I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top 10.